This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome in to another edition of Five on Three WFUV Sports' NHL podcast. I am Tyler Mooney alongside a new crew this week. I got Keenan Troy and James Burrell. FUV FC is taking over Five on Three right now. How are you two doing today? I mean, I'm pumped that you mentioned FUVFC taking over five on three. The soccer world and the hockey world converging is one of my proudest proudest achievements in life right now. And I know Keaton Keenan feels the same way. Yeah, it's good to be on, Tyler. Um, we saw the staff assignments. I was excited, obviously, to talk hockey because the start of this NHL season has storylines and we don't even need to leave the tri-state area to find them. But then seeing James on, I mean, him and I on FUVFC go at each other for his beloved fandom for a team that plays out of New Jersey and he cheers for the Devils but it looks like this year James is getting a little bit of a little bit of a happy surprise a little, Con- bit, of, little bit of puck luck this year yeah <laughs> contrary to his usual you know unhappy surprises with the New York Red Bulls so I'm excited to hear everything James has both you guys doing fantastic stuff covering hockey for WFUV so I mean if I just sit here and listen the whole time I'm cool with that but I mean, we got a lot of breakdown so I'm really excited yeah, absolutely, and a great segue there because we can jump right into the New Jersey Devils, who I think it's safe to say for the first three weeks of the NHL season are the best New York team, which I don't think people would have predicted. They've won eight of their last nine, and prepping for today's show, I was thinking most of this week that we'd be focusing on that incredible one nothing win versus Colorado, but somehow they found a way to outdo that last night, a 4-3 win over the Edmonton Oilers in Edmonton. New Jersey was down 3-1 in the third period, and then the big show, the big finish, they get two goals in seven seconds with just over three minutes left to go from down 3-2 to up 4-3. James, were you watching that live, and what can you say about the way the Devils have been playing right now? It's just been fantastic to watch. I I was watching that one live, um, dealing with some Wi-Fi issues, was cutting it out, missed the third goal, but I got it back on for the fourth goal, so that was good. Um, Yeah, you mentioned the Devils being the best of the three New York area teams. I'm not I'm not sure if I'm ready to say that yet because the Islanders and Rangers are rolling too. I mean, the Rangers had a tough one last night against Boston, but we'll get to that later. Um, the Islanders look really good. The Rangers look really good. The Devils have certainly surprised me throughout the first 11 games of the year. I did not think they would, you know, have won eight of their last nine going into where we are now, but they are playing the hockey that a lot of fans have been waiting for for a while and it's that those young guys are really starting to come into their own and take up leadership roles and really production roles too. get when you got guys like brat hughes and he all point uh point per game players you're going to win hockey games and you're going to play at a really high pace and that's what the devils are doing and even though they had questions with goaltending and and questions on the blue line things are falling into place they brought in you know new um New staff around Lindy Ruff. Fans wanted Lindy Ruff gone. I know we met, you guys talked about it on the podcast that he was going to go, and I, I kind of agreed with that until the team started playing the way they are. Despite dropping their first two games, they look like one of the most brand-new teams from last season, and it's and the personnel is not that drastically different. So that, that means that things have been trending in the right direction, and they're going to continue to do that for this season. So I've been so, so psyched to see where the Devils have come from and where they are now but I'm not totally sure that they're going to be able to be this good especially in such a tough division for out 82 games well James uh, for me I see something in 
in Jesper Bratt that the Devils really missed. And, you know, he is a point-per-game player, at least to start the season, you know, leading the team in points. Um, with 17, he's just seemingly all over the ice. I think for me, watching him, he's that spark plug that the Devils have tried to find, whether, you know, it was Hersher or Hughes. And no one, I don't think, has been able to, you know, utilize that role and make the immediate impact that Brat has had for this Devil squad in the sense that those guys that are already in their second and third years with the team, you know, or if you even think he is now entering, is it his fourth or his third? I think it's... Um, yeah, his first... He was the... He sure was a 2017 draft. Fourth, Hughes I think. was 2019. Yeah, Hughes, yeah so 2019, 20 was the first season, so four, yeah. Yeah, so... Time the, flies. I know. Uh, I, it feels like yesterday when... I remember he was getting drafted, and he said, my favorite player growing up was Patrick Kane, and I'm like, that was my Grow, favorite. Growing up, That yeah. was my favorite. <laughs> I was like, God, I, I suck at hockey. Um, But anyway, back to the point, I think that as those guys set in, settle into, like, you know, no longer younger guys on this Devils roster, Brad is providing that spark that I think those older guys now need to accelerate their gameplay and the fact that they don't need to be the guys letting the lighting the world on fire. They just need to be shift-by-shift players, and a guy like Brat can go out and steal a game for you as he did last night in Edmonton. Absolutely. The, I think the off-season additions for New Jersey have really helped out, and Vitek Vanacek is a guy who, it seems in the last week, has really kind of steadied himself in goal. He got that shutout against the Avs, which anytime you shut out Colorado, that's something to tip your cap to. And then coming in for relief last night, Mackenzie Blackwood suffers a lower body injury about halfway through that game. Not sure if we've gotten any further information on that, but Vanacek comes in against one of the more elite offensive teams in the NHL, and he stops 18 of 19 to get the win. And, you know, I think it's not just Vanacek as well. You know, a guy like John Marino who comes in from Pittsburgh in a move that is maybe it's under the radar. It doesn't draw as much attention in the offseason, but... He had that fantastic block shot. I believe it was against Colorado where, you know, the the Avs player had practically a wide open net and he sticks his leg out and blocks it and prevents going in and the Devils end up winning one nothing. And I think that follows the theme of, you know, New Jersey. We've been talking a lot about the offensive players they have, the Hughes, the Brat, Heeshear. But New Jersey's first in shots against in the NHL. So this is not a team that is, you know, kind of run and gun yeah, they're scoring five, but they're also giving up 35, 40 shots a game and giving up a lot. They're playing very solid defensively, and I think a lot of people saw that, and it's just they weren't necessarily getting the saves, but now that they are starting to get the saves, you're really seeing the full package start to come together. Yeah, and a lot of it comes from the guys they brought in. The John Marino for Ty Smith and a third-round uh, pick trade, is is it rivals the Hall for Larson straight-up trade for me for Devils history because... Going from the defense we've had for the last 10 years, including like the whole year when we made the playoffs, he won the Hart Trophy, the Devils still had a terrible defense and tough goalie situation. Now, at least the defense is, for the most part, organized. There's like a couple slips that like Ryan Graves had a horrible game last night, really like threw away the puck for the second goal, caused, caused the lead to get slipped, but he came back, recovered, and got... The third goal, there's a difference in mentality with this team as well because Jesper Bratt, that was probably up until the third period, probably his worst game this season. He looked like his his ten game his then 10-game point streak was going to be in jeopardy, but this team has, there's something just different about the team in general. Bringing in a guy like John Marino and Andre Palat, who unfortunately is now injured, is so, it's such a big difference from having like a guy like Yegor Sharangovich be your top guy, in le- top line left winger. 
Palat brings a winning experience that you just didn't have before. Marino brings a solid defensive presence that you just didn't have before below Hamilton and Siegenthaler. So now that they can spread some talent over the lines and they've really shown a lot of strong mentality to be able to make some mistakes that they would have made last year, make fewer of them, but bounce back from them when they do. And it's and it's something that just like hasn't been in New Jersey for 10 years. So it's such a relief to be able to see these things and play and for them to play out in real time has been a real joy being able to go to the arena this season a few times thus far. So I, I think I think the offseason plays a big piece to it, but I'm, I'm willing to say that bringing in Andrew Burnett to be your assistant coach has been bigger because special teams with Mark Recchi in charge of the special teams last year was a disaster. They've had the decent showing on the power play, really good showings on the penalty kill lately, and that that for me is the biggest thing because Lindy Ruff, obviously very historic, like one of the win- the winningest active coach in the NHL, I believe, obviously has the pedigree to bring a winning team. Fans were calling for him to be fired. I think he has the right stuff, but he didn't have a good supporting staff around him. And now with Andrew Burnett, you people were thinking this guy's come is lined up to replace him already, which. If Ruff gets fired, I imagine it would be a snap hire to get Brunette in there, and I wouldn't mind it. But right now, I, I can't see I can't see the Devils being successful without Andy, uh, without Brunette as the assistant coach because the intangibles on the ice have gotten that much better. So I think it's a good thing for Lindy Ruff to have a better supporting cast around him. I think it's a good thing for the Devils to have a bright mind controlling their power play. The Panthers had one of the better special teams cores last year, and this year they're struggling. The the, the bottom line is the common denominator is having Andrew Burnett. So that, that for me, is the biggest of the offseason acquisitions for the Devils. Yeah, and I think the, the only thing I can say, you know, you touched on it all. They also added a guy in Miles Wood who I think does a, is a good bottom six center. You know, when you're looking to sustain, you know, a winning formula over, you know, 82 games and probably the toughest division in hockey – your bottom six needs to help you out, and I think adding Miles Wood, if nothing else, he's good for 13 goals a year, a couple assists, but can penalty kill like it's his job. And you know, as you're trying to build up a special team score, because really at the end of the season, a special your special teams is going to you know if you make the playoffs, that's going to determine how your playoffs go. So I think adding Miles Wood, you know, it's a relatively cheap one year deal. I think he's a good plug in place. I don't think the Devils anticipated this kind of start where, you know, Miles Wood would be a third line center on or a third line wing on a team that's looking for playoff aspirations. I know we're still so early into this, but you know, if you're a Devils fan, how could you not be optimistic? And the only other thing I can say about this Devils team is just it feels like James and Tyler this is the start of their window. We always were wondering when the Devils window was going to start. You know, especially with the Rangers kind of taking over last year, it felt, I mean, James, you're a Devils fan. You can speak to this more than I can. It felt like the Devils were just going to see their window completely be overshadowed by New York's sudden emergence as perhaps Eastern Conference favorites for a couple years just based on, you know, the depth and the team-friendly contracts that they have. But suddenly the Devils are emerging, and I think if I'm a Devils fan, I'm excited about how young you know, the integral parts of this roster are and how this feels like it could be the start of something bigger going forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. It seems like New Jersey's finally figuring out, you know, really how to win. And a win like last night, putting even, you know, the two points aside, a game like that is, you can't underestimate how big that is for a team, especially such a young team who 
You bring in guys like Palat, who has won before, and John Marino's been in the playoffs. Even a guy like Brendan Smith, he's been in the playoffs. But much of this team has not had much success at the NHL level. So to get an experience like this, they're off to an 8-3 and three start and first in the Metro, I think. Not many people expected that, but cannot be much of a better start for New Jersey. And another team that went off to a little bit of a rough start but is now scorching right now are the New York Islanders. They're 7-4. and four. They're tied for third in the Metro with the Rangers, and they've won five straight games. We came on here last week, and really for most of this season of 5-on-3, we've been talking about how the Islanders have just struggled with consistency. You know, they, they look like world beaters versus the Sharks and the Ducks, and then they come out their next few games and, and they just put out duds. But they finally seem to have gotten some offensive consistency. They have 22 goals in those five wins, including 6-2 win over Carolina, that incredible 5-4 win over Colorado, and then they've just taken care of your Blackhawks, Keenan, and the St. Louis Blues, who are floundering right now. But for the Islanders, James, it just feels like this team is getting so much more production from up and down the lineup, and it starts with Brock Nelson, who last week at this point he had zero goals in the season. Now he has five. Yeah, I mean, Brock Nelson is one of those guys who's been like under the radar. I think one of the more like valuable guys that you could have in your team. I mean, obviously with the production that he's having this season, you you he's going to be noticed. But even for when he's had down years in terms of you know what you expect from him to produce offensively, he's still been like such a valuable asset for the New York Islanders for for out throughout his career for many years. I think the Islanders have had probably among the better teams in the Metropolitan Division. A really tough schedule to start. The you know, I mean, I know the Devils also and Rangers played Colorado as well, but they had the Panthers I think twice already, which is which is weird. The Lightning, um, and then they followed that up with Rangers, Hurricane, Panther, Lightning, Panthers, Rangers, Hurricanes, Isles, and one have now won five in a row. Not against those five teams exactly because they played the Blackhawks and Blues, but that is still pretty remarkable considering for me from what I've seen from the Devils, they opened up the year with Philly, Detroit, they played Detroit again and the ducks and sharks so it's been it's been a pretty much a, a bit of an easier road to get to where they are right now for new jersey but the islanders have impressed especially after a rough start and especially after a, a coaching change that none of us saw coming so for them to get back on the wagon that they were that they were on when they reached the eastern conference final just a few years ago is is inspiring that the fact that they've won five games in a row which I don't know if you saw Chris Hennessy's tweet. I'm forgetting what the exact stat was, but it's the first time in a long time. So I'm happy for him as well because last year was was a little bit difficult for the, for those guys. But I think the Islanders, their strength starts in goaltending, and I and I think we saw that better than any other uh, opportunity available in the Rangers game, which is surprising because we we thought the stellar goaltending was probably going to come from the other end. So I I don't know. I mean. I'm at a loss for words with how good the Metropolitan Division is. I've tweeted about it a couple times because I'm actually like kind of nervous about what it means moving forward for many years. Like, Am I going to get my heart broken watching the Rangers, Islanders, Hurricanes, and Penguins take all the playoff spots? Like, Is that what's going to happen? It could happen. So, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll see. But right now, I think for the Islanders, it's, it's about getting back to where they were. They have the pieces to do that, and they've been doing that since a difficult start against opening up against the, uh, the Panthers. I think it was their first game. And, yeah, no, Sorokin is just unbelievable. Yeah, I think if I was an Islanders fan, which I'm not, but after missing the playoffs last year and, you know, being so good and then the coaching switch that, you know, nobody really saw, and it's going to be interesting. I know we won't get to it on this show, but 
it's already, you know, the rumor mill's already sp- starting where Trotz is going to end next because a couple teams look like they could use him. But for Islanders fans, I think, you know, the slow start to this season, everyone was pushing the panic button after missing the playoffs last year. Now you have the coaching change, and it doesn't look like it's the winning recipe. It looked like the Islanders were going to pull the Islanders of recent years and just fail to get it done. And then Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey, the guy, the guys that have made up this Islander core that took them to two Eastern Conference Finals, you know, made them a perennial powerhouse in the playoffs, you know, made them favorites to win the Eastern Conference going into last season, with the exception of obviously the Lightning, because we up until last year the Lightning yeah they're pretty good yeah we could just call them a wash on you know Vegas odds on favorites, but it's still the same core that they had under you know Trots and now. With with the new coaching hire, it, it was a wonder when they were going to turn it around. I always felt that they were going to turn it around. But to James's point, you know, stringing together wins against top teams in the Metro is always hard. But I always feel like the hardest thing in hockey, too, is, you know, yeah, maybe I'm biasing the Blackhawks are better than they are because they're starting, you know, looking somewhat competent when they were not supposed to be competent. But even like last night against the Blues, it proved the point that, you know, Every team in the NHL is going to make you work to win. And the Blues, who have had a pretty treacherous start to their season, you know, come and punch the Islanders in the face, and then they have to rally from behind. And it's the, it's the goaltending, and we'll get to the Rangers in a second. But I really feel like, unlike the Rangers, maybe kind of, I don't know where I can rank the Devils in this, you know, Metro 3, but I feel that of all the teams, the Islanders are the most complete that where they don't need necessarily stellar goaltending to keep them in games, that the core that they have is so refined and is so comfortable with each other that they have what it takes to, you know, win a game one nothing or win a game seven to six, which I doubt we would see happen. But the core that they have, you know, up and down that roster, I think is experienced to the point where they can make a serious push. I don't want to say this is the year for the Islanders fans because we know how they perform in the playoffs, but I think this is the year that we see them return back to what they were two, three years ago. Yeah, I mean it. I would, I would honestly go as far as saying, you know, this could be the year for them. You look at this roster; it's it's getting older every year, and it's not changing much. You have the vast majority of your team locked up in contracts for the next three, four years. Most of your forward core, so. When you talk about how difficult their schedule was, James, in this stretch and in the past and, and in the future, this was just, you can't underestimate how huge this was for them to not only win five games, but to at least show that they were competitive against these teams. Because if they had hypothetically gone through this stretch of, you know, say they're playing, I don't know the exam numbers off the top of my head, but say they were playing, you know, seven straight teams who have playoff expectations and they went like two and five, then you're really you're really hitting the panic button there because now you have a team that didn't look like they could compete last year. They've started off really slow this year, and there's not many changes that you can make with them without really blowing it up. So to see that they've bounced back in the way that they have, and when this team, you mentioned the fact that they've played together, Keenan, in this core so comfortable with each other, and I think that goes hand-in-hand hand with the fact that when this team is rolling four lines and, and you're getting contributions from everyone like the way they are now, They are definitely one of the premier teams in the Eastern Conference. I mean, looking at the game versus Colorado, that third period, they they score four goals. They were down 3-0. They end up winning 5-4 in a wild game. But 
it reminded me a lot of the game I went to earlier in this year where they played Anaheim. Obviously, Anaheim, Colorado, two completely different ends of the spectrum. But the Islanders' play in those games were very similar in the sense that they were throwing bodies and pucks at the net like there was no tomorrow. Scott Mayfield actually scored a goal in that Ducks game right at the front of the crease, very similar to the goal he scored versus Colorado. So I think when New York gets not only their four lines rolling, but when they get their defense involved and up in the rush and down low behind the crease, you now have guys, obviously Noah Dobson's always been able to do it, but you add Romanov in there. Scott Mayfield has shown a bit more of an offensive touch than I think he has in years past, which has helped them immensely. So you're really just getting contributions everywhere from New York. And I think that's a huge reason why this team's won five straight. And if you're an Islanders fan and following the team, you have to have so much more optimism than you had at this point last week. And it's not just the fact that they've strung together these wins is the way they've done it. You know, at at home against the Rangers, you they three nothing on the road against the Hurricanes. They're putting putting up a six pack against them. That's a big deal. And that's the Hurricanes. That's a huge deal. Hurricanes for me are probably based on just the way the playoffs have gone or at least the, the end of the regular season has gone, for me, are probably probably the most likely to, to on everyone's mind to get the one spot in the Metropolitan Division. So to be able to not only against the Rangers and Hurricanes, who were probably the deepest teams in the league last year yeah. as far as Metropolitan Division goes, um, to get that back-to-back wins to start your winning streak and then to do that coming from behind a 5-4 win against the, the reigning champs. The Avalanche had a tough go of it on the East Coast. They, they really got put through the ringer, had a tough game against the Rangers, Devils, and Islanders, and then I think they went played a tough game against the Bruins after that but then they come away like I I, it's I'm still just like thinking in the back of my mind I'm nervous that not every team that deserves to make the playoffs in the Metropolitan is going to because the Atlantic is also pretty top heavy as well so I mean just the fact that the Islanders have come from you know the injury disaster and the schedule disastering that they had last year to come into this and hit the ground not running but then to pick themselves off, dust themselves off, and then hit the ground running and do so against some really difficult teams is inspiring because now they got to go to they host the Flames next Monday and then they got to go to the Garden. So it's not going to get any easier for them. And I think when I just look at the league as a whole, I've mentioned it for the Metro. I don't think I've seen parity in the NHL to this level in a, like my entire life. I don't I don't think I can ever sit like look at each te- each division and say there are five or six teams in this division that can push for the playoffs not because there didn't always used to be eight teams in each division but because there are genuinely that many good teams in the NHL right now I mean just looking at the Metropolitan Division every team but Columbus like honestly has one foot in the door for the playoffs even Columbus I think if you get Gaudreau hot and you add somebody yeah maybe at the I mean Gaudreau and Line are good enough as themselves to propel that team into the you know into contention at least I don't know but yeah I think to your point James we sit here, you know, two and a half weeks in to the NHL season and, you know, up and down Eastern Western Conference. The parity is there in the sense that I feel, and we'll get to the two runaways right now because there are two teams that are, you know, playing better than the rest of everyone in the division, but especially in that Metro, which, you know, we here in New York are so concerned about. Everybody is just in that lump sum of, you know, within five, six points of one another. So I think by the time, let's say, the Winter Classic rolls around, we'll probably know where each team stands. But for right now, it just makes incredible viewing because 
If you're just scrolling, you know, bored on whatever night, if you're Tyler and you need a distraction from the no-hit piece that the Phillies suffered. Oh, man. Sorry, I had wow. to sneak, sneak one jab in. Sneak <laughs> one jab in. Wow. You can literally click on any NHL game, and it feels like you're, you know, you're no longer watching the dog Florida Panthers out there, or the, you know, really tough-to-stomach Ottawa Senators. Every team has something you can look forward to in watching. Absolutely, absolutely. That that hurt. Keenan. Unless you unless lie. you're the Coyotes. Unless yeah. you are the Coyotes. Unless you are the Coyotes. I mean, just looking at the standings now, obviously it's really early, but you got a team like Buffalo who's in the mix. You got New Jersey, obviously we've talked about. I think this it feels like for the past few years, honestly since, you know, 28-2019, we've had there's been there's the teams that have made the playoffs in the East have been the teams you've expected. It's been the same teams every year. It's been the Bostons, the Tampas, the Torontos, Washington, Pittsburgh, but it, it finally feels like this is the year where there might be that changing of the garden. It's very exciting to see because we, we do want some some new blood in the playoffs. And, you know, speaking of Boston, they come into New York and they beat the Rangers 5-2 last night. We'll talk about the Rangers. A difficult loss for New York, but they did bounce back from a rough week last week. They had won three in a row prior to that, 6-3 over the Stars, 3-2 over Arizona in Arizona, which was just a lot of fun to watch a <laughs> hockey game in that stadium. And then a one nothing win versus Philly. This... This was a big week for the Rangers because I think they overall just looked they looked much more comfortable on the ice. They looked much more better. I know last night Boston is just incredible, and they lose Ryan Lingen early in the game. It's already very, very difficult to play with five defensemen in the NHL, but when you're going against the number one offense in the NHL, that task gets all the more difficult. And I thought the Rangers, you know, hung in there as long as they could but ultimately fell short. But to see them, you know, they they go back and forth with Dallas and then they eventually pull away late in that game. But I think they always had that game in control. And I want to say the same thing about the Arizona game and even the Philly game. I mean, Carter Hart is ridiculous. I just want to give him his flowers. I don't think we would be respected as an NHL podcast if we did not recognize what this man has done so far he's 5-0-2 with a 2-10 a 9-43 he's got almost 13 goals saved above expected in seven games so that's just absolutely ridiculous so shout out to Carter Hart but I think for the Rangers to see them just play much more together the defense looked like it had shaped up a little bit more and to see a guy like Julian Gauthier versus the Stars I don't know if you guys caught that goal to get production from a guy like him is huge because the Rangers need their their bottom six forwards to produce and it's looked good on the top six lines maybe not necessarily in the bottom six so to get a guy like Gauthier who's in and out of the lineup to not only provide a great turnover at the blue line to lead to the game tying goal but then to get that amazing game winning goal that was great to see and I think that's huge for the Rangers I, I feel like we keep like echoing the same things for each of the Devils Islanders when's and the last time all three and of these teams I know, have been it, playing it, well and it's it's actually like it's like a beautiful thing. Yeah, I mean, it, we talk about the game against the Stars. Like the Stars are, I think, aren't they number one in the Central or the or they're up there I in the Central Division? They're definitely yeah, top yeah. three. Yeah. So like they're one. Yeah, yeah. They're first place. So like this is like these are big games that all three teams are coming away from and winning in big ways. Like the Devils in coming from behind against Edmonton is huge. Uh, the Islanders coming from behind against the Avalanche is huge. The Rangers dominating the Stars on home ice uh, in Philly, right? dominating that game i know it went nothing nothing into overtime but they hit the post like five times outshot yeah. them almost had 40 shots at regulation so like they're playing good hockey suffered a big setback against the bruins but it's not the first setback they've had all year bruins 
probably right right now far and away the probably the best team in the Eastern Conference, maybe the league. And I think the 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 tough part of the season for the Rangers came to those back to back losses against San Jose and Columbus, which two teams you should be beating. But they followed that up with a tough one against the Avalanche and Islanders, and they got into a four game rut there. But other than that, they've been nearly perfect on the season. So I I wouldn't worry about it too much. But the fact that they've bounced back with that big win against Dallas and now have kind of gotten the ball rolling with the exception of that Bruins game, for me it says that they are doing more of what they've done last year, working out the kinks now, but come January and February, they're going to be probably the most well-polished team in this division for my money. Well, I think the one thing if I'm a Rangers fan I'm concerned about is with Georgiev leaving to go play for the defending cup champions, you turn to, I don't want to say the ageless wonder because he is showing his age this year, but Yaroslav Halak as their number two, who's currently boasting a 3.69 GAA and a sub-9 save percentage, which it's early. And, you know, those games he played in, his defense wasn't doing him any favors. But last year I thought the Rangers had one of the best one-two punches in the NHL with the way Igor was playing. And anytime Georgiev came in, you thought you at least had a chance to win. In a NHL season now that we've seen probably over the past five years, every team that consider itself, you know, legitimate playoff aspirations tend to roll with a one-two punch during the regular season just to give their goalie time off. Yaroslav Halak this season for me has proven to be a giant question mark as the as the Rangers back up and it's got me worried that you know anytime Igor needs a night off you're going to have to roll with Yaro and you just don't know the result you're going to get yeah the experience is there but his age is c- clearly showing this season and even Shesterkin himself hasn't been the same that we saw last year you know the Vesna winner you know is a step seems to be a step off which you know after the season he had last year it's pretty impossible I would say to maintain that or even take a step forward but I think this Rangers team really rides and dies with their goaltending because even in a game we saw you know Carter Hart stand on his head still can't find that final gear sometimes and that's what led to you know their loss against San Jose you know even get shut pieced by the Isles you lose in the shootout to Carol, uh, to Colorado, even though you had chances in overtime, and you know you go to plays zero zero through regulation, and then a Kreider goal to beat the the Flyers in OT. But I still think that this team is still so contingent on their goaltending that I'm a little concerned. You know, big picture right now. Obviously, things will shake out, but especially when you have Halak as your number two, when he's in net, this offense will have to carry more than it does when Igor's in net. And I think that's something to be concerned about because, you know, this far into the season, there's still some consistency in scoring that we're seeing, you know, outside of the top line, Panarin and Zabinajad and, you know, Fox on that DN, the points just don't come through five on five for a lot of these second and third line, you know, uh, lines for, for the Rangers. I mean, I think it's really telling that Rangers had a back-to-back versus Dallas and then Arizona and Igor Shesterkin got both starts. I think that kind of shows you where Yaroslav Halak might be in the mindset of the coaches right now. And you got to hope he figures it out because obviously you're going to need him. You can't have Igor playing the insane workload that he had last year if you want to make another deep playoff run. And, um, you know, the Rangers are 0-3 when Halak plays. And in all of the games that he's played, he's given up some less than 
savory goals. We'll yeah. just leave it at that. <laughs> so they definitely need him to bounce around. It does remind me of last year when Alexander Georgiev had a similarly awful start, and he somewhat righted the ship. He, he I, had he, that, he, that two-week starter stint had, yeah, in, the, he, in the middle of winter. He was okay. We won't say he, he was definitely not fantastic. He was definitely not to the standard he had been with the Rangers in years prior. It didn't matter because you had Igor Shesterkin putting up a top-five goaltender season didn't of matter. all time. I don't think Igor Shesterkin's going to put up a top-five goaltender season of all time this year, so you need the backup to do a little more. And the Rangers are also paying Halak, I believe it's $1.5 million, so this isn't a backup you got on a $750 $750,000 contract that you can kind of just flip and try and bring someone else. Like, Halak is your backup for the year, so you need him to try and figure it out. You mentioned that they had chances versus Colorado to close that game out, and I think one of the big steps, maybe the biggest step we've seen from the Rangers in the last week is that their power play seems to have gotten out of its funk. They had that 4-on-3 power play at the end of overtime versus Colorado, couldn't cash in on that, end up losing they had power plays in the Islander game when it was still one nothing, couldn't cash in, ended up losing. But they get two power play goals versus the Stars, and they get a game-winning power play goal versus Arizona. I mean, we all know, everyone knows, the Rangers are going to live and die by their power play. It's been a little bit more even in the sense this year where, you know, last year they were not that great of a 5-on-5 five five team. They've been better at 5-on-5 five five this year, so they haven't needed to rely on their power play as much. But to see it get out of that funk, I think, that's a huge thing because you don't want to see a power play like that go through a prolonged dry spell. And, you know, with the talent that it has, I think you'd be hard-pressed to see it do that. But it was still good to see them bounce back and get power play goals in two straight games. And I think especially for the Rangers, if, for my money, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that they don't have any depth. They're a deep team, but I think they're so top-heavy that their first power play unit is so crucial to them getting goals. Because if they can get all of Fox, Zibanejad, Panarin... Um and who who else rounds out that Trocheck Trocheck and I guess Kreider Kreider in front of the net yeah. or and then for the second unit you'd have probably like Capocacco in front of the net so the fact that you can get all f- five of those guys they all fit different roles so well and they're obviously all incredibly talented players you've got probably the best power play quarterback in the league after Kale McCarr and Adam Fox you've got you know one of the best passers one of the best creators one of the best finishers which is well rounded in Zibanejad you've got maybe maybe the best just creative passer to set up plays in Panarin. So when you guys when they can get the ability to set up shop and get space in an offensive zone, it makes their power play just so lethal. And every time I watch them play, I get nervous for the other team because not only do I not want the Rangers to succeed just being from Jersey, but but because I know that they're inevitable and going to get goals. For me, the Rangers, it's going to click. Like Even when it doesn't now, they have the pedigree now where they've seen last year, here's what we can do. And I still think that this core, centered around Igor, the pressure is to perform now to get to where they were last year is higher on Igor because Georgiev isn't waiting in the wings. I love the Halakness monster, but he's not the same goaltender he used to be. And now, and now it's about the guys around Igor that supporting cast, which is for a supporting cast is pretty star-studded, to uh, to start performing as well. And it's gonna happen. They've had their moments this year to start a six-four and two. As I believe their record to open up the year is still enough to keep them in the top three in the Metropolitan Division and deservedly so. I think, f- for me, I think as far as as far as top potential ability goes, I think they're right there with the Hurricanes as the as the best team in this division. Um, and now we talked about getting production from the bottom six. That third line, uh, Barkley Goudreau's line with 
uh, I think VC's playing with him now too. Devils made Jimmy VC um, doing some great work. I I genuinely was impressed by that line uh, to start the year. Now um, he got his first goal of the year last that's night. That's what I'm saying. Like uh, they 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 genuinely look like they're getting decent production from the bottom six that they haven't had even in the years past. So when it clicks for that top line five on five, which it may not, but when it clicks again fully on the power play, they're going to be so so dangerous. And now that you're getting production from the bottom lines, it's it's pretty big. I, I think last night, and if we're allowed to pivot just because in the interest of time, to talk about the Bees and how yes. good they've been. Yes. Because, you know, thankfully we're, they play the Rangers, so the segue's smooth, even though I'm making it cr- criminally not smooth right now. <laughs> I think they've set my everyone's hockey expectations on fire. You know, they fired Bruce Cassidy this offseason, which no one saw it coming. You bring in Jim Montgomery, and you don't know the impact he's going to have because, you know, as we're talking about those Isles teams, you know, and their core, this Bruins team probably has the most potent core, maybe rivaling the Penguins in the East, but it's definitely up there when you look up and down that roster, you know, Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, all these guys that seemingly have haunted Eastern Conference playoff teams for years. You didn't really know, at least I didn't know, what to expect coming into this year. You know, obviously Marshawn starting on the injury reserve, same with DeBrusque. Marshawn's back. And then, you know, a lot of these guys that, you know, I don't want to say are plug-and-place because they've been there for a while but haven't been in the spotlight. Guys like Charlie Coyle, Trent Frederick, you know, Hampus Lindholm gets a goal last night against the Rangers. Really the secondary cast to this big, I don't know if we want to call it four-headed monster, three-headed monster, these big forward pairings that have, you know, held the Bruins in such stability, I think prove that it didn't matter if Cassidy was there, then maybe it almost justifies the move away from Bruce, saying that, hey, these guys are good enough to win by themselves. We might just need a different guy in there to take him over the hump. And, you know, maybe, maybe that Montgomery's that guy. We're going to have to wait and see. But Bruins fans rejoice because I don't think anyone expected them to be this hot out of the gate 20 points, running away with the Atlantic Division as we see it right now, and decimating the Rangers, which is always fun if you're a Bruins fan. But last night, I think, you know, spoke to the game that the that the Bruins play, which is they are just relentless. We had that insane overtime win against the Penguins where they came all the way back, you know, stomping on the Blue Jackets, stomping on the Red Wings, beating a good Stars team. They're just hot, and I don't. I I think it's just for me fair enough to say is right now they are the team I'd want to face the least because they are just clicking on all cylinders. Five on five, they look really good. Power play, they re- look really good. They don't have to kill a lot, but when they are on the kill, I want to say they've haven't allowed a power play goal yet this year, or maybe one. But I know their efficiency rating is through the roof on the kill, so it looks like everything that's was a question mark going into the season for Bruins fans has seemingly been resolved by this hot start because there's no concerns whether that the old guys still got it or if the new coach is, you know, going to cause any worry in this locker room. Yeah, I mean, 10-1 and one by far and away blew by my expectations. I thought this team would be a sneaky pick to miss the postseason this year with the injuries that they've had, but they're averaging 4.5 goals a game, absolutely lighting the world on fire offensively, and I got to give credit to that Hampus Lindholm acquisition as well because he has been huge for them, especially in the with the absence of Charlie McAvoy. He's really filled in that number one D pairing role. And 
When they made that trade last year, I think a lot of people, including myself, were a little pessimistic on it. You know, this was a team that didn't look like they were really built for a long playoff run, and sure enough, they lost in the first round. But they gave up a first, they gave up multiple seconds and a few other depth pieces, and you're looking at this Bruins team at the time, and you're like, well, this window seems to be closing. You know, they've lost early in the playoffs uh, in the last few years now. Going into the offseason, you now have the injuries to McAvoy and Marchand, and it's like, wow, you know, is Hampus Lindholm worth what you gave up for him? Probably, but was it the right move for this team to do? I don't know, and I mean, that has looked like an incredible move so far, and I think another thing real quick to note is this team, they're 10-1, and and they're not at full strength at all. You know, they just got Marchand back, and he's, I don't believe he's at 100% yet. Still no McAvoy. Craig Smith's day-to-day, David Krejci's day-to-day, so this team's only going to get stronger, James, and it's going to be scary to watch. Yeah, and when McAvoy comes back from injury, and when Swayman comes back, and if Krejci, Swayman too, yeah, yeah, like this is gonna they're they're gonna be they're gonna be a scary team. I, I thought they were gonna have like something of a bounce back season, but I did not think they were gonna be this good. The uh, I when I when I look at their split of their lines, even with injury, I think each pairing complements each other so well. I mean, Bergeron, Marshawn is guys you never want to split up, you know, like the pedigree they have there. But you've got Hall and Pasternak together on a second line. Like, come on, that's just unfair. Yeah. And then third line, Charlie Coyle, for my money, has probably got to be the best third line center uh, throughout the last few years of NHL hockey. I mean, it, they, and then they, they go down. They, they've always been a team that really digs deep into their third and fourth lines and gets production out of them because they're just such a gritty team. And I think that's that's the case this year. I mean, they're getting a lot of production of guys like their third line, fourth line wingers, AJ Greer, and uh, and uh, and who's their fourth line? Thomas Noshek is a guy I really like. So they 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 have they have the pieces there to be to keep to keep this up sustainably, which is which is why I think this is such an important season moving forward for the Bruins. Absolutely, absolutely. And then real quick before we go, you know, we've focused extensively on the Eastern Conference, but I do think we need to recognize. There is equally, just like the Bruins have been dominating the East so far, there's a team in the West that's been dominating, and that's the Vegas Golden Knights. They're not 10-1 and like Boston. They're 10-2, and so much worse. <laughs> and they've won five straight goals, or six straight games, but including the five games prior to last night, they had given up only six goals total, and they've been led by rookie goalie Logan Thompson, who's 5-2 and two with a 938, a 173. Picked him up and he's in fantasy. two shutouts. That's a great pickup. Yep. I think going into this year, everyone's big worry with Vegas was goaltending. And I know it's been early. I know goalies get streaky. But so far, Logan Thompson has done everything to alleviate those concerns. And Keenan, you're the Western Conference observer here, so we'll start with you. But it seems like Vegas is is finally looking like that powerhouse team that I think everyone thought that they would be when they, you know, they get Mark Stone and they're talking about getting Jack Eichel. And it hasn't been able to click for whatever reason, but it seems like it's finally clicking now. Yeah, I think really quickly, the, the biggest takeaway – and we haven't got we won't get to the Sabres today, but the Sabres are really lighting it on fire. And I think for the Knights, Eichel looks like the guy they signed. He looked kind of a question mark last year. Maybe it was, you know, coming midway out of a season with Buffalo where you got nothing to look forward to. It's tough to get into the right mindset, buy in halfway through. He looks like the right fix. And, you know, with a Western conference that is so stacked. The center pairings for this team are insane. You've got Eichel, William Carlson, and Nicholas Roy, who's been incredible to watch at the start of the season. And then you mentioned Logan Thompson. And then, you know, when Robin Leonard comes back, that's going to be a good one two punch. And I think this is a really necessary start for the Knights because we saw last year that when Colorado gets good, they're, you know, the best team in hockey, objectively. And so I think 
getting as far above them as you can to start the season bodes well for Vegas because it's only a matter of time before the rest of the heavy hitters in the West start picking it up. You know, Oilers dropped one last night to the Devils. They'll eventually, you know, really start to get into their midseason form, which we know they'll be as dangerous as ever. So good on Vegas to get as far ahead as they can, and I think it's going to be really fun to watch how good Jack Eichel can be in this environment. Uh, and I think that it's it's a similar point with the Bruins. You know, they're not fully healthy. You know, you got Shea Weber injured. Nolan Patrick kind of always injured, unfortunately. So, and, and that's another guy in the center player who's going to come in and draw back into the lineup and just deepen that center, that center core. Um, I think I just want to talk about their defensive pairings right now because I think they have probably among the most underrated decor in the league. I mean, you got Martinez and Petrangelo on the top. You got you got Shea Theodore as your as one of your second pairing defensemen. That's just not fair, man. Like, come on. I don't know. I've I've not been spoiled for choice for having good D men as a fan for the last ten years. So. I mean, it's fun to watch. They've 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 been really strong team, and the fact that Thompson's come in and and, and shut the door in net the way he has with both Leonard and Brossois injured is huge for me. I I I think you know I don't think it's going to be sustainable rookie goaltender. It never it never really is. Um, but coming in and and doing the job he has done and getting to the start they've had to push in front of that pack, Keenan, that you mentioned is such an important thing to do. And now that you've got this team that out of nowhere built themselves into a winning culture you know from the jump and you've brought in a rookie goaltender and he's got this experience these experienced guys in front of him who know how to win and the fact that he's providing too that is a good recipe for success moving forward whether it just means for this season or for this guy's career so Vegas a lot to be excited about of course and I think they're they're prepped for another big run into the playoffs absolutely absolutely salient points all around a a great positive podcast this week I I don't know when the last time we've had so many great topics to talk about. All New York teams are playing well. That's going to do it for us on 5-on-3. Islanders are playing Detroit on Saturday. Devils are playing the Flames on Saturday. Rangers are then going against Detroit on Sunday. So catch all your New York teams playing this weekend, trying to keep these hot streaks going up. But once again, our producer in the back is Ralph Barbieri. For James Burrell and Keenan Troy, I'm Tyler Mooney saying so long and have a great weekend.